Welcome to the HR Happy Hour Show with Steve and Trish. Trish, kicking off our 12th or 13th year of this show. I've lost track. How are you? Happy New Year. I'm Happy New Year. I don't know. Yeah, how many years is this? I know this. I started in January 2013 officially. So yeah, this is my eighth year. All right. Well, yeah. So good to be back. Good to be back on the show. We <laughs> took a few days off. Both of us did at the beginning of this year, which was not we awesome. Did. So it's great to be back uh, recording. Trish, since it's kind of our first show, uh, released recording-wise in the new year, I figured the question of the day should have that kind of a theme. And here it is, Trish, what's the one new habit or change or maybe a goal you're making or setting for 2021? It could be a work thing, something at home, leisure thing, fitness, what have, what's the one? Give me one. You must have one. You know, that's interesting that you said that because just this morning I tweeted out, like, I'm so sick of the routine I'm in. And so I want like new, new routines for the year. Um, so not necessarily a goal, but I think I've decided in the last hour or two, I want to do a little bit of back to the future. So I, I miss writing every single morning. I used to write five out of every seven days I was writing in the morning before I started anything else. And also reading, reading blogs. And I know that blogs aren't such a big thing anymore. Like they were, you know, 10, 12, 13 years ago. The kids are all on TikTok out. now, Trish. They're not blogging as much. I know, but you know what? I'm even a little bit over TikTok until I figure out how to follow business people. I know, surprising, right? No, I mean, I think that it's easy to get lost in sort of the non-work aspect of TikTok, which I love, but I want to, I just, I don't know. That's my plan anyway. Okay. I haven't figured it all out. How about you? What are you doing different? I've, I've got, I thought about this after I thought about the question. I've, I've got two. One is like a fitness thing. I have a, I set a jogging mileage goal for the year on my little oh, app wow. that I use to track my, my jogging. I jog. Are you going to share slowly. it? No, it's embarrassingly low number <laughs> of miles. And it's just a little bit more than I managed to run in 2020. So, uh, and I'm, I'm off to a very slow start. <laughs> We're seven days into the year. I've only jogged once. But, uh, and then I, I think I'm going to try to moisturize a little more. That's like on my mind. That's a good one. Yeah. So. I'll tell you what. And I don't know if it's an age thing. I just, I just got this not too long ago. Intense healing. Nice. I, I literally keep it right on my desk. I use it. If you ever see me on the work break or anything, I might even do it now. I'm going to, I'm just going to use some right now. You know, right. I'm constantly putting lotion on. It's ridiculous. We'll just wait for you to start the show. We do need to start the show though. We have a <laughs> great guest, a returning guest waiting in the wings. We will welcome him in a minute. We're going to talk about development and coaching and kind of getting set up for growth in 2021. But first, Trish, we must, of course, thank our sponsors. This episode of HR Happy Hour is made possible by WorkHuman. The world is watching the leaders of today and tomorrow. Modern employees want a workplace where they're respected, seen, appreciated, and heard, and they're demanding it. Employees have the right to a human workplace. You have the power to create one. And thriving organizations like Cisco, Merck, and LinkedIn have realized the immense benefits of putting the human at the center of work. Get your copy of the book, Making Work Human, on Amazon and discover how. Awesome. And we must thank our friends at Paychex, Trish. This episode is also sponsored by Paychex, one of the leading providers of HR, payroll, retirement, and insurance solutions for businesses of all sizes. 2020 challenged all of us and HR leaders like never before, but they must and continue to play an important strategic role in their organizations while fueling efficiency, building culture, and developing teams using the latest technology and tools available. And you can check out Paychex's 2020 Pulse of HR survey to learn more about how HR professionals are contributing to the success of their companies. 
Go to paychecks.com slash pulse2020 to download the 2020 Paychecks Pulse of HR survey report. So thanks to them. All right, let's get on to it. Ben has been waiting patiently. Ben Brooks is our guest today, returning guest, triumphantly, to the HR Happy Hour Show. Ben is the <laughs> founder and CEO of Pilot, an award-winning employee career development software platform. Inspired by his successful CEO and executive coaching practice, Ben saw an opportunity to democratize executive coaching and empower employees at scale. He invested his life savings into founding the company with a mission of ensuring everyone feels powerful at work. Pilot was named the number one HR tech startup to watch in 2020, and HR Executive Magazine named him one of the top 100 influencers in HR and technology in both 2019 and 2020. And this past fall, Pilot was named a top HR product of the year. Ben, welcome back to the HR Happy Hour Show. How are you? Glad to be here. Happy New Year. What's Happy Ben? Year. Question of the day. Do you have a goal, a target, a thing, a change? I know you probably have something. Jogging, I'm very into. Moisturizing, I am very, very into. If you ever want to get on Twitter with me, if you want men especially, it's a big life hack. You look so much better with a little moisture. <laughs> Keep the cigarettes away too. That's a big trick. But oh, um, and and, uh, and 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 also writing. But I think for me, you know, uh, you know, looking at the year ahead, and we'll probably be in a lot of the same, you know, kind of safe at home structure for you know six or more months, nine months maybe, and so. Really figuring out how to, um, you know, have more enjoyment at home. I've invested in a lot of, you know, I'm a tech CEO. I love technology. So I've invested in a lot of technology, fitness. I got a cooking robot. I have all sorts of cool. I mean, I think there's about oh, wow. 40. I live in Manhattan in a one-bedroom apartment. I think I have about 42 items connected to my Wi-Fi. And so there's, it's, it's a smart home, you know. <laughs> so um, so I'm, I'm, just, I'm just investing a lot in home and just really figuring out how I can, you know, have great routines and satisfaction and health and enjoyment and things, even in a, even in an apartment in a big city. So That's are a- you into video games at all? Any, anything like that? Is it like, Not, I'm thinking we just like, what, got, what, what are uh, these devices or <laughs> we just got the uh, PlayStation like VR basically. And there are, I just didn't realize, I thought it was just video games. And there's so many like actual like exercise type things you can do with that. So a, that's been there, a big thing the, in our household. Fitness tech is a incredible space. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if employers get into that or offer some of that, a, you know, a, a Peloton membership or things like that. You know, you think about the wellness program, we had Fitbits and, you know, biometric testing and stuff that was a big rage a couple of years ago. But I think a lot of this, you know, how do you, how do you gamify fitness and wellness, especially as people work from home? It's very easy as, as the three of us know to sit in a chair and 12 hours later, you know, you're eating chicken wings and having a beer and, you know, not exactly having, you know, the, the, the healthiest life, you know? So I think it's, uh, you know, I'm excited about the promise of all that. So that actually sounds like a really good day though to me, man. Chicken <laughs> okay. wings. As long as you moisturize and you had a jog before and you moisturize before you go to bed with a good, deep exfoliating face wash, we're good to go, Steve. Yeah. So that's awesome. Ben, well, thanks for so much for taking some time. Uh, we, it's been a little while since we checked in and we know Pilot received some more accolades last year, but maybe give us, before we dive into some of the coaching topics, maybe give us a little update on, on how Pilot's doing and how you guys have managed through, you know, a really crazy 2020 and, and as you start 2021. Yeah, I'm glad you asked. It's, you know, we were founded as a remote first company. So we had a big leg up last year on, you know, as everyone knows, remote is a lot more than firing up your laptop and turning on Teams or SharePoint or Slack or Zoom at home. There's, if there's a culture part to it, there's trust, you know, there's relationships, there's asynchronous communication. And so, you know, we were, we were really ready to weather the remote storm and that's how we deliver our product. But 
definitely, you know, the market was really difficult in the first part of the year. And, uh, but, you know, we were able to, we didn't lay off anybody. We didn't cut anyone's pay. Um, you know, didn't cut any benefits, which is great. Uh, this fall, we had, I think, hired, I think now, uh, or last fall, I think 11 people to our team. Wow. Uh, vast majority we hired were, were minorities, people of color, women, et cetera, uh, creating opportunities. And, you know, a record year in terms of our, our company, making the product better, the impact we had. You know, I had had a hypothesis that maybe during all the chaos, right? We had the pandemic, but there's so much that happened in 2020. Mm -hmm. And so how do you get people focused on their growth and development when the world is kind of just a crazy, right? And so much distraction. We actually saw people more engaged in our product and the experience. They said, mm -hmm. you know what? We, in our user interviews, they said, our member interviews, they said, we need to focus on ourselves. We need to focus on the future. I need to feel in control. I need to focus on something positive. I need to get off of doom scrolling on social media. <laughs> so, um, so overall, it was uh, surprising. It was a difficult year. I feel like we had, you know, we lived nine lives in twelve months. But, uh, but uh, by the end of the year, we, you know, ended up in a record position in a lot of different regards. And I think we're excited for kind of this the the acceleration of remote and virtual, which we were, you know, kind of pioneering in, uh, and now kind of the paradigms are are catching up to where the technology is. Yeah, you know what, you mentioned, I was writing notes as you were talking, Ben, and um, even even as recently as, you know, yesterday, as we record this, there it just seems like there's such continuous turmoil, and not to go down a rabbit hole or anything, but I, I would just love to hear your thoughts around, as we go through this, especially on that control piece, so when we all feel so out of control, um, how do you sort of regain that, you know? So as we talk about maybe each category, just kind of diving in a little bit deeper on that, because even, even personally, you know, you, yeah. when you are at home, you feel, you just feel out of control a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. or you try and take back a little and then, you know, something else happens. So yeah, I think everyone would, would benefit from kind of hearing your thoughts on that because you are so experienced um, with all of your customers and just in the way that you live as well. Well, I think, you know, there are a lot of the conversation, Trish, you know, around offices, we talk about corporate real estate costs and commuting and things like that and safety of air particles and all these kind of, but the, but the human factors, you know, offices often have kept, helped us kept, keep our stuff together, keep our poop in a group as, as professionals, you know, um, and, uh, and, you know, you go and you got there to be a certain time and you got to get dressed and be, a, you know, this appearance and then you see people and you run into people in the lobby or the cafeteria, or the elevator, and there's conference rooms and people walk by your desk or your managers out there. And there's a lot of structure that helps us to perform, to stay motivated, to communicate, to maintain and grow relationships, to solve problems. And we're structureless when we're working from home often. And so you, you talk about one of the great accelerations of 2020 you know, the future of work, everyone, there's a lot of BS out there about what the future of work is and it's robots and all this crap. The future of work is really self-directed, in my opinion, that that's so, Absolutely. you know, the, wor the world changes faster. We need more people, you know, the jobs are moving to more thinking jobs rather than just doing jobs. And so the critical thing, but part of being self-directed is being self-managed. So with all the talk about performance management, fine, right? But spans of control are getting wider. Managers mm -hmm. have, you know, organizations are getting flatter. So each employee has a much greater onus to kind of manage themselves and to direct themselves. And it's really hard when you're at home on the kitchen table and kids are bombing through and, you know, you hear the lawnmower folks outside and the Wi-Fi goes down and all this other stuff. And you're trying to do that. Do we have food at home and, you know, all of these things. And so I think that that's one of the big things that's, that's been challenging for folks is without the structure of the office. The office has many downsides. 
but it also has a lot of upsides. Young people in particular that are less far along in their career, that's often where they go and they find, that's where they find friends, they find love. That's where they find all sorts of things, not to mention mentorship and the osmosis of just being around all the right people. So it's a big, big shift that we're in and it'll be curious to see where things go in the next year. Yeah, that's a Ben, that's a great point, especially for newer employees in the organization. Even if I think back to like the first real couple of professional jobs I had, I would say 87% of all the people I hung out with outside of work were people I worked with, right? Because oh, yeah. mm-hmm. it was a pretty big organization and there were quite a few of us in that, you know, mid-20s age range yep. who were all, we all kind of found each other. We played on the softball team, right? And then mm-hmm. went out for beer afterwards yep. and we kind of did that every single week, right? And that became a lot of pretty good friendships and longer term friendships as well, even. And, and then also became folks who help support you in your career, right? As yes. people move throughout the organization or go to other organizations, that networking uh, was amazing, right? So yeah, totally. not having any of that. Now it was a different world back then, right? There wasn't Twitter and all the other social networks, et cetera, but uh, I couldn't imagine. That would be so strange to enter a new organization and not have that. Totally. And then you're just even, even being in the conference room with the tier of people, one or two up in the organization, how they behave, how they lead the meeting, how they plan in advance. Really? Like, there's a lot of texture that you pick up and the social part of it all. Cause you know, as people's careers advance, it's a function of not just who you know, but, but who knows you. And so that's where the opportunities come. And that's where, you know, your future customers and a future employer boss and things. And I think that's, what's going to be very interesting. Cause I don't think people realize in the remote context there's just so much more you have to do. Like you have to be a beast on LinkedIn. You've got to be scheduling, pro- you have to have meetings with people without a reason, like I need something from you immediately. You're just checking in, you're building a relationship, you're seeing if you can be useful to them. And most people aren't used to that. They're used to just having deadlines and structure and being supervised and performing. And then kind of on the sidelines, you know, it's the softball and it's the beer and it's the the lunch break and it's the, oh, it's a, you know, we're having a pride celebration in the, in the lobby and we'll have cocktails. And, you know, it's like you have those moments, but I think now you, employees have to kind of generate that for themselves. It's yet another unbundling of the employee experience to be more self-served. I think that's so hard too, because for some people, they may love that. Um, for others, I, I wonder too, like, for those of us who have been in a workplace before, right, and had that mentorship, and even though sometimes the structure, we all say, oh, we want more control of how mm-hmm. we do things or our day or whatever. And then when you get it, if you if you don't perform, or maybe you are performing, but you don't know how to communicate that, it just feels like there's so many um, pitfalls you could, could run into, you know, as maybe a, gosh, I'm going to call myself an older employee, <laughs> but you know, that's, I, I, you don't know the politics. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's, it's, everything's changing. Um, I wonder, it seems like almost like younger employees might adapt more quickly to this way of working that we're currently in. However, if, and when things shift back, I think that will be even worse. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see not only how individuals handle it, but you know, when you start looking kind of, you're talking about this whole person approach, right? Where mm-hmm. it is your, your, your actual day-to-day work, your productivity and all of those aspects, but then the social aspects, um, any insight on that? I mean, I know you've both worked in sort of corporate positions and then obviously worked as a consultant and now running your own company. I mean, what are, what would you say to someone maybe just coming out of college, trying to figure out like, how do you do this? How do you, what do you tackle first? 
Yeah, I think it's there's a lot of great thoughts in there. And, you know, with Pilot, we talk, talk a lot about kind of employees commanding their career, taking responsibility. And it's something we hear from heads of HR and C-suite executives and they say, gosh, dang it, we just wish people would own their careers, drive the bus, take the reins, manifest their destiny. And yet that message doesn't really come through when you go to community college or university or other things that like you're in charge. And I think you're in charge, not just of your career, but of your life. And in terms of that sense of control or a locus of control or that sense of empowerment, you know, ultimately a lot of employees are frustrated. They don't get enough feedback. And then you say, well, when did you last ask for it? And they're like, what do you mean ask for it? Like it's supposed to show up like it's, you know, Grubhub or Amazon on your door, you know, um, and have a bow around it and say that you're great, you know? Um, and so I think that it's, it's a, it's a big thing in terms of this, you know, you, you've got to take care of not just, you know, getting your job done, right? Kind of working in your job. You have to work on your career simultaneously. So working in your job is probably going to take 80, 90% of your capacity, your mind share, your time. But you have to have that future focused orientation, the building the relationships, the soliciting feedback, the, the special project, the starting to blog, the getting to, on Twitter in 2009 or whatever. We have those sort of moments and things that can be, for the two of you, I know, very formative unlocks in your career, much more so than doing three other deals or sales or implementations in your day job. And so I think that that's a big part of it. So I think for younger people, you've got to realize that just succeeding in your role is not managing your career. That's, you know, your career is a portfolio. It's like a pie chart, right? And when you're young, the vast majority of the pie is your job. But over time, you should have more and more slices. So you two have a slice called HR Happy Hour Podcast. It's part of your identity. It's part of your network. It opens up a lot of opportunities, a lot of fun, helps you maintain a great friendship and professional relationship you've had for, for many, many years. You know, you've got things where pe people become authors, they join boards of directors, they advise, they invest, they're in the community. You know, you do all these different things. You become mentors, you help, you know, with a variety of things. And that becomes kind of this diversified portfolio. So by the way, if you lose your job or you change jobs, maybe from an Oracle where you're at a big giant brand that's revered and you go to something that people haven't heard of, you have a balanced portfolio because there's a, it's not your total identity. Oftentimes people get laid off. Unfortunately, a lot of people got laid off last year. You know, the people that take it the worst are often the least diversified. Just like if the market would crash, they take it the worst, right? In their financial portfolio. So when you've got other things going on, it's like, well, I don't have that, but I've got an active network and I do these things and I've got other structures and I'm still connected to people. If all you do is just your job and your career are overlapped, you lose your job, all of a sudden it's devastating. No, just, just one other quick question or, or point on that. Um, so you mentioned, I mean, obviously, you know, the three of us have all sort of diversified our careers. I don't know that I was so intentional about it. Um, so it just happened to work out. But one of the things I know I ran into early on, um, and it wasn't that I wanted to leave my job at all. In fact, I thought that getting involved in social media or blogging or other things that were related to my profession were very good. Um, what kind of um, advice do you give someone if they're getting pushback though, especially now that you're remote, right? So if someone maybe thinks that you're already not doing enough at work, but yet you are seen visibly, maybe you, you tweeted once that day or something and that, that boss saw that tweet, right? Mm -hmm. They think you're go goofing off. I mean, I did run into, it, it wasn't a lot, but there were definitely bosses or competitors internally in corporate positions where you know, they kind of try and use that against you a little bit. Have you ever run into that or have you any advice on how to sort of fend off 
Um, yeah, you got to kind of knock the skin off the ball in terms of your day yeah. job before you do these other things if you're going to diversify. Sometimes right. I've noticed employees, especially when people are younger or you know, can be creative, can be very inspired, they get excited about the things that they have a passion around, mm -hmm. but that what they get paid to do and what they're passionate about may be different. So the energy is naturally, you, the moths to the flame go towards the blog, go towards the giving, giving the talk or the TikTok or whatever the thing is that's, that's exciting. But if you're not, you know, at least adequately doing your job, ideally exceeding expectations, mm -hmm. you should be focusing on that first yeah. because that's the thing. And if you're not sure if you're doing that, you know, there's three reasons people ask for feedback. One is that we think of kind of the critical development, like how do I get better? You know, the second is, you know, recognition affirmation. So a lot of times an employee say in survey, I want feedback. They actually want recognition or praise. The mm. third is confirmation of status. Where do I stand? Are we on the same page? Is this what you wanted? Right? So sometimes a great thing about feedback is to say like, hey, how do you feel I'm doing? Right? Do you feel like I'm like, in my, you know, Reed Hastings at uh, Netflix says there's a question they have people ask. If I quit, would you fight to keep me? Right? very cutting oh, and like difficult that. question. And they encourage people to ask their managers that question. And so that can be a, you know, one of those things. And so it's part of the employee being both self-aware, but also situationally aware to understand how well they're doing. Because they could think, oh, I'm doing, I'm doing fine, I'm doing great. And then the boss has a totally different perspective of it. So of course they're gonna be annoyed. They're like, oh, great, they, I can't get my reports on time, but they have time to tweet. You know, <laughs> even if tweeting takes 60 seconds, yeah. optically it looks really bad. So I think you got to really make sure that you're managing and that, you know, your boss always feels that the core of your job, because people, you know, in a traditional, you know, W2 salaried kind of thing, the idea is that the employer really has a lot of ownership over your time and your capacity and energy. And if they feel like they're not getting that, I mean, it's one thing if you have a part-time job or a gig or you're a consultant or a contract, that's one thing. But if you're a full-time salaried employee, you have to really manage and also be considerate. Some companies have pretty restrictive sort of moonlighting or other different policies, or even if you join a board, often you need to disclose to compliance, you know, so there's mm -hmm. no conflicts and things. You want to make sure that again, things are also transparent. Another tip I would say is, you know, don't have people be surprised about what you're doing on the side. Disclose exactly. ahead of time. Almost, almost never you get in trouble by disclosing in advance. Almost always does it cause problems when you don't. And so yeah. if there's something you're working on a blog, you'd say, hey, boss, I wanted to let you know, I'm working on this blog. I'm doing it on the nights and weekends. I'm not working. I'm not using our company equipment for any of it. I'm not using any confidential information. You kind of check all the boxes that they may be concerned with. Um, and it won't affect my job at all, but I just wanted you to know it's something I'm doing. They may get excited about it. You may say, hey, I want to feature you on my blog, right? And you can kind of bring those things together and have them have some success in it rather mm -hmm. than the kind of zero sum either or in that regard. I agree. Yeah. I also use the tactic of, of when I wanted something answered um, for work, maybe something mm -hmm. that we were all struggling with or just needed other ideas. I wouldn't put it out into the world like so blatant, but I would yeah. definitely sort of ask it on the blog and get a lot of comments back or ask it on Twitter, get comments back, and then immediately consolidate the information, take it right back to um, my bosses. And that really helped too, to sort of alleviate that. I remember one time I was giving a presentation that was probably early on um, in social media and I was getting ready to give a presentation to a whole group of executives in DC and it was on interviewing and whatever. And I just wanted to show the power of Twitter. And so like I tweeted literally like five minutes before mm -hmm. I went in with them 
and asked some question, you know, some question or whatever, and had like over a hundred responses. It was, you know, back then it was a little different. And, um, and, and it was crazy. Like I was able to pull that up for them and show them the power of it. So I think to being able to sort of, like you're saying, either feature them, manipulate things to, you know, to their benefit and show them that's really important. And I'll just I'm share one, one quick thing. I was, I was involved in a nonprofit helping to repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell, the military's policy against LGBT, uh, mm -hmm. not, not T, but B, um, uh, service, open service. And, you know, HBO had done a documentary on this nonprofit that I was on the board of. And it was a really great document called The Strange History of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Sheila Nevins, the, the leads their documentary program. It's great. Well, HBO headquarters was like three blocks from Marshall McLennan headquarters where I worked. And, you know, through our connections there, I orchestrated a way for us to actually hold a client event at HBO headquarters and do a premiere of the documentary, bring members of our board and executive director, who was very impressive, head of lobbying at Verizon. All this stuff. And, and I, didn't even, I, I didn't even speak at the thing. I just helped in the background coordinate all of it. No one at our company was cool enough to get into HBO or an insurance company, right? But right. all of a sudden, we had an event for 300 people, a swanky event at HBO. It's a beautiful theater, and it's really, really wow. cool. And so I was able to connect some dots, and that was very career-enhancing for me, but it wasn't about me. It was about creating an experience for our clients and advancing our diversity agenda in a way that we otherwise never could have as a company. So if you can create those kind of win-win connections, that's also a great way to make sure it doesn't seem like the employer is losing when you're winning, like having kind of that everybody wins mindset. Ben, there's one more topic, at least for me, that I think we just have to talk about just given how 2020 was and how 2021, while we're all optimistic, it's things are going to get much better. And I, I think they will eventually. It's, it's starting off a little slow uh, mm -hmm. in terms of that, and which is kind of well-being, mental health, and how yes. that's impacting people at work. And then from your point of view and Pilot's point of view, how that's going to influence how we deliver coaching and support to employees. I'd love for you to maybe share some thoughts on what you saw last year as you worked with your clients and the people who are members of your platform and how you're approaching that uh, moving into 2021. Yeah, I think it's a topic that, you know, as we're seeing people, you know, suicides are on the rise, addiction and alcohol, domestic violence, you know, depression, anxiety, you name it. These are, you know, really systemic things that are, are you know, opioid epidemic is directly related to, you know, loneliness and other sort of things like that and isolation. And so, you know, we saw certainly uh, a lot of folks say that, especially when they're working remote, they love, we do group coaching and group mentoring over videos, really structures this really cool process, plus individual reflection. And they said it was so great to feel connected both to myself when I was doing the reflection and to my colleagues when we came together. And it wasn't a work meeting that we could open up, we do breakout rooms, you can share, and just having the space and the structure to reflect and to think and to share helps people feel more connected. They don't feel alone. And so one of the things, you know, we have a, a coaching series all around working efficiently, kind of back to being responsible. The average employee gets less than two hours and 50 minutes of productive work done in a given day at the office. And it's kind of one of those days when you, when you were at the office for 12 hours, you feel like you got nothing done, you probably didn't get anything done, right? But you are exhausted. And so, so we talk about this and we had an employee on our platform and he shared in group coaching. He said, you know, I thought for years I had ADD just can't focus, right? It's like, so with Pilot, I realized I should probably get that checked out. I should like get the facts, right? So it got him into take action, that sense of control, right? He's like, he's like, turns out I don't have ADD, but turns out I do have clinical depression. And he had no idea, 
right? High performing employee, right? At a very high growth company. But he's like, the reason I can't focus is because I actually have depression. I had no idea. Like no one in my family talks about anything like this. I didn't know what to look for. And so, you know, he's getting treatment for that and he's now able to focus much better. So some of this is encouraging employees, you know, to take advantage of the benefits offerings that are out there, right? To, you know, to, to you know, kind of destigmatize, you know, therapy, certain cultures, right? You look at certain, you know, different racial ethic perspectives or geographic perspectives on therapy. It's like, you got to be a lunatic or crazy or something's really wrong with you. You know, I see a therapist every week. I've seen a therapist last year. I got my invoice 46 times. I went because I went every week that I wasn't on vacation and I've done that for seven years. And it's just like a habit and a structure. And I'm a, I'm a way better CEO as a result. I'm a way happier person. I'm a better boyfriend. I'm a better family member and friend, but I think we have to sort of destigmatize it that, you know, it's not, it's actually not weak to get help. It's courageous to do that. And it may not be that, you know, again, you have a, a diagnosis or you need medication or something like that. You just need a place to share and to talk and to process. Wow. What happened in our country yesterday? I'm so angry. I'm so scared, you know, or, or, or I feel so disconnected from my colleagues and it really ties to the DNI part as well, you know, because psychological safety, we talk about a lot of this in pilot with feedback and managers, when you're giving feedback to colleagues from diverse or intersectional profiles, you need to really make sure that you set the context and the intention and slow down because they may fear that their job is on the line. When you're actually trying to develop and grow them, they think they're getting fired, right? right. And so I think a lot of this is that safety. And so managers and HR can play a big role in helping to create those programs, to raise the awareness. I've had a bunch of people at MetLife, they're our biggest customer. We've got a bunch of salespeople and some of these folks are just real grinder, real bro, hard asses, and, and they're great people, right? You know, but I, I mentioned meditation, oh, what are you doing meditation? They're like devout meditators. They got into headspace or calm and they got their spouses on it. And all of a sudden, by the way, their sales performance went up, right? So they're not only better parents and better spouses and just calmer, they're sleeping better. And that was just from taking 10 minutes every morning with an app to just shut their trap and shut their eyes and just be with themselves. So I think, Steve, it's a great thing. You, I mean, it's a real service to bring this topic up because mm -hmm. I think, you know, it's, it's an area that HR has always kind of danced around a little bit and like go to, the, go to the benefits portal and you can sign up for it if you want it. It's over there. But we haven't, I mean, the more if we had a bunch of HR executives saying, here's what I do for my mental health, right? Walking the talk, leading by example, sharing their struggles, sharing what they've overcome, having people not feel alone. And especially when they don't have that structure, that office to go to, to feel that belonging and that boost and that energy. It's very easy for someone to be on the couch in sweatpants with bad habits and not eating well and drinking a lot and not working out to really get in a bad spot. So that's part of even Trish, to your point earlier about control. Some of taking back the control is making sure you get a 30 minute workout in um, at home, even if it's not what you do at the gym normally, and it's not what you do at Barry's boot camp or Soul Cycle or whatever. You don't have a Peloton. Yeah. Get on YouTube, you know, do some push ups, you know, take a run like Steve does. Like these are some of those things that can really boost you. And you have to also manage that, that diet. And it's both food and alcohol, but also it's your content diet because there's a lot of toxicity. Like there's that. a lot of. Boy, Facebook has got a lot of trash lights. It, that dumpster fire is burning hotter than ever. And it's, you know, and there's all these videos of people like screaming at each other in parking lots and people have cheated on their spouse blindfolded, you know, these real, just trash, you know? And you got to make sure you're not consuming that because the world is a pretty scary, daunting place when you're just, you know, consuming crap.
Yeah, I think, Ben, uh, those are all good points. And it's really it kind of boils up to something we talked about a little earlier. It's just being really intentional, right? And your approach, really being mindful of it, really thinking about, okay, the world's a little different now. It's still, it's, and it's maybe a little bit more strange, a little more scary, it may not get better for a while. I've got to be really careful that, um, that I'm carefully managing kind of how I approach it, what mm -hmm. I, what, who I can, what I consume, who I, uh, where I spend my time, right. How I take care of myself and then making sure you're spending that time to connect with the other people, whether it work people or people in your life in, in, in very intentional ways. Cause I also think too, like, I think we, a lot of us started that at the beginning of all this. And then we mm -hmm. kind of, we petered out a little bit. Like I know on my side, I was doing family zoom calls for a while. And then mm -hmm. at some point, I don't know what happened. Like they just started getting less frequent and to the point now, like I think we did one on Thanksgiving it was like the last one. Right. And now mm -hmm. it's a week into the new year. So that I, I, I know what you're talking about. I've got to start getting better at it too. Yeah. And that intentionality and that that's back yeah. to being self-managed and self-directed that you have to take ownership of these things. And it's, again, it's easy just to get to the end of the day and to, you know, have pour tequila soda and get, turn on HBO or Netflix or whatever, which is fine. No, those aren't bad things, but they're not enough to sustain us, right? Because on the other side of this, what people want to pull up a little bit and think about their careers is there's a ton of opportunity that will unlock with all this disruption, people's, you know, in businesses and careers and technology. We want to be ready, right? Because after every downturn, there's an upswing in the financial markets and job and everything else where careers and fortunes are made, right? Companies are built, products are built, innovation happens. So we want to get ready, not just to survive this period, right? You want to be in fighting shape to really seize the opportunity. And people say luck is when preparation meets opportunity. We are obsessed with opportunities. That's job boards. Where's the opportunity? Where's the opportunity? I find the opportunity. Who's the right person? Oh. But the preparation is the less sexy part, right? And that's, you know, Vince Lombardi, everyone wants to win a, a trophy. No one wants to practice, right? That's, you know, the being ready. So being ready is also keeping our social skills up. The New York Times has been reporting on people's social skills are atrophying. You're getting awkward. You feel awkward even talking on the phone or you run into somebody and you're like, oh, and, and it's actually, it's real. There's, a, there's science and research behind it. So part of it is we have to keep engaging and being sort of, you know, emotionally limber, if you will. So we are ready in taking care of ourselves so we can spot the opportunity and really kind of, you know, be our own engine to drive us in our careers. Yeah. And it's great stuff. We could go for hours probably. Uh, since we're all locked up at home, we probably have hours. But uh, <laughs> with the, be mindful of uh, our, your time and uh, as well as our, our listeners. I, last thing I'd say, Ben, is uh, maybe give us like 60 seconds just on for folks who want to learn more about what you do and the team do at Pilot and how they can get engaged in this and how they can really take a, a step to help supporting and developing their own employees, so maybe give us, give us a little bit of that and tell, tell folks where they can learn more. Great. Yeah. So we're pilot.coach, C-O-A-C-H. Pilot takes career development, which is something that everybody wants. It's in all the engagement surveys, um, it's a, it's a, but it's really hard to deliver. And so our promise is to make it inclusive so you can get it to a lot more people and make it really easy, including for HR, which is near and dear to my heart, to set HR up for success in a more strategic role. And so we've developed a turnkey approach. Turns out that most people need similar things in their development. It's difficult to scale development. You have 25,000 employees, make 25,000 development plans, impossible, right? So we cover the 80-20 of what most employees need to feel powerful at work, to feel in control, to take care of their well-being, to be self-directed. And our mission as a company is for everyone to feel powerful at work. And so we do that through individual reflection and group coaching. It's all virtual. It's turnkey. 
it's affordable, all the things. And I think we've just seen a great growth, especially around the DNI use case, diverse pipelines and cultivating. And, you know, while the job market, you know, we have a lot of unemployment, there's a lot of talent that's out there that need to retain. It'd be really hard to replace. And so, you know, our product, again, is really designed to set HR up for success, to, to respond to the need for career development. We do that through coaching and mentoring. And we'd love to hear from you at pilot.coach if we could be of service. And we're all about setting HR up for success, which I love. It's a, it's a different empathy. It's a different thought. It's not just a product to be sold, but really how do we advance HR's career by helping them advance the careers of others? Yeah. And uh, thank Ben. Thank you for that. And I'll just like Trish, we say all the time, I know you do, like we don't really like to talk too much about products unless we believe in them ourselves. Right. And I was a big part of the top products of the year process for 2020. Right. And mm-hmm. Pilot uh, was one of our top products of the year. And we spent a lot of time with the team at Pilot uh, last year, learning more about the product, digging in and, and, uh, so accolades well-deserved and uh, Ben's on Twitter at Ben Brooks NY as well. You can find him there too. So good stuff, Ben. Thanks so much for uh, hanging with us today. Good to see you. Always great to start off the year with you both and uh, to all your listeners, you know, happy new year, really make something of this year. You know, it's an opportunity. Everyone, you know, we all had weird wonky years in 2020, but you know, kind of take the, uh, the pain and the lessons, right. You know, Pain plus reflection is progress, is what Ray Dalio says from Bridgewater. And so, you know, pain plus reflection is progress. Make that progress this year. Put that pain to work. Put that angst and suffering to work, because I think we'll all be better for it in the next 12 months. Good stuff. All right. Good advice. All right, Trish. Good stuff. Good. We are on the new year. Year 75 of the podcast. Rolling strong. Uh, <laughs> let's, Your centennial uh, coming up, you know. Right. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I think I'm going to win, like, a, a gold watch or something at the end of the year. So, um. Uh, thanks wow. to our friends at Work Human and Paychecks, of course, for all their support going into 21. Thanks to Ben, uh, once again, pilot.coach to learn more. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. If you like the show, give us a rate, uh, rating, review, tell a friend, play it for your mom when you go home next time. Uh, <laughs> thanks so much for listening to the Moms love it. <laughs> for our guest, Ben Brooks, for Trish McFarland, my name's Steve Bowes. We will see you next time. And bye for now.